What's in fucking inside me? A parasite, a foreign element. There's a monster in your chest. These guys hijacked your ship and they sold your cryotube to this human. And you put an alien inside of you. It's a really nasty one. And in a few hours, it's going to burst through your ribcage and you're going to die. Any questions? Who are you? I'm the monster's mother. Welcome to the Review to Death podcast. I'm Marcus. And I'm Luke. We are returning to the Alien franchise tonight with Alien Resurrection, but we might as well just call it Alien the Weird One. I, I think it's got to be the weirdest one. I mean, we, we still have two more of these to watch, but I don't remember Prometheus or Covenant being anywhere near this wacky. Well, I think I said this to you while we were watching it today. This is definitely the weirdest and goofiest Alien movie, but it does not have the weirdest and goofiest scene. And we're going to get to that one in a couple movies. But uh, this one is bizarre i guess i'll say it just in case like because i guess it's possible somebody missed this one and they're watching it now for the first time but if you've not seen alien resurrection it'll be spoilers but (laughs) you know what who cares uh especially with this one yeah it's really bizarre i'm gonna go go ahead and say that it starts with the director jean pierre you know who has directed some some notable movies in the past uh prior to this movie he directed city of last children this I guess, sort of horror movie called Delicatess. And then after this movie, he would direct kind of his, you know, his best known movie, Amelie in 2001. And those movies are known for being very quirky, having some, you know, crazy camera angles, very Dutch angles. I haven't seen them, but I, I've seen clips from them and they've always interested me. It's always been something that I wanted to, to get into. And just from seeing the, you know, the few clips from those movies, he definitely brought that weirdness over to uh, this fourth alien movie yeah and we watched the special extended edition we can't call it a director's cut because once you see it the director pops up first and says that the theatrical version is actually his director's cut and that the extended version which is only about seven more minutes is just for fans of the movie that want to see something different and we went ahead and watched the extended edition just because it was only seven minutes. We hadn't seen it yet before. And really the only two things they change are the beginning of the movie and the end. And you can tell because they're super unfinished. Yeah. It, just like with uh, Alien 3, uh, I, I say stick to the theatrical uh, with, uh, with this one. It's nowhere near as big of an impact as, as Alien 3 was. No, it doesn't but, uh, change the story at all. No, no. Whereas Aliens 3 changes the story a lot uh, and the pacing and everything. But uh, yeah, in this one, you get a really, really shitty <laughs> beginning to this movie. It's just it's really bad, you know, late 90s CGI that, again, is not even finished. And then it ends with, uh, well, I, I guess we can get to it at the end. But uh, the, the ending is, is a little bit different, too. So the basic premise of this movie is that it's 200 years after Alien 3, after Ripley died with the alien queen in her chest. And uh, a group of scientists have been working on trying to clone her. And she's the eighth try, and they finally got a workable clone. And it's Ellen Ripley. And the reason they wanted to clone her is to get the alien out of her chest so they can bring the alien back and you know, same sort of deal as the other movies, you know, use it for nefarious deeds and such. But 
what we were talking about before is a weirdness is that it it looks like Ellen Ripley and it is Ellen Ripley sort of and it is definitely Sigourney Weaver but she's fucking weird in this one yeah she does not act at all like the Ellen Ripley that we know and love from Alien 1 through 3 she is very 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 strange she's like a whole new character basically man it's tough to describe she's uh we should preface this with the fact that Joss Whedon wrote this movie you know, he of, uh, you know, Buffy fame and Firefly and then eventually the Avengers, the first two Avengers movies. So this movie is very quip heavy. Basically, it turns Ripley into a superhero because when they clone her with the alien queen inside of her, she also takes on abilities of the alien. For example, like her blood is slightly acidic now. She's also super fucking strong. She can lift dudes that are twice her weight, you know, over her head now. And she can... Uh, uh, punch and rip through steel with her bare hands uh and then yeah she just acts really aloof and just really coy and, and sexual in inappropriate ways <laughs> yeah and like does weird things with her hands you guys have seen face off right remember when uh, john travolta would run take and- your face off yeah well or when john travolta would do his weird face thing when he would run his fingers over like his uh wife's face or his daughter's face to show them that he loves her and that was weird well (laughs) ripley does that in this movie and it's also very weird yeah but she like she like she'll like get up real close to somebody and like real close real close and like bring the backs of her hands like down the person's cheeks and like look it's it's fucking weird and i think i mean looking ahead to the ending i think i think they were trying to get her to do some of the same movements as our like final creature which we'll get to but again it's fucking weird as hell and ripley's sense of personal space has been completely eliminated in her cloning (laughs) yeah she gets real real close to everyone she talks to like you know like an inch away from their face and it's uh very uncomfortable looking the other thing in this movie that is not really weird but uh of the time period you know 1997 it's the same year that event horizon came out you know it's not the exact same year but they were also making you know like that lost in space like remake movie type thing and but all the space movies in like the mid to late 90s had this sort of feel to them i don't know how to describe it direct you know exactly but you know like things sort of looked the same and they sort of felt the same and the characters were all sort of the same yeah i think i think i describe it as kind of like basically it's a submarine movie but in space it's it's very claustrophobic a lot of uh extra close close-ups uh, everyone's super sweaty and uh yeah it, you know but hey you know it it, it works in this movie if, if i'm being honest i, I liked it and uh, the set design is is great uh i thought uh you know all the because they, they should you know they they you know show a lot of love towards the sets in this one and it uh they, they do they all look really good there's some throwbacks to the other the older movies one of the characters is in his wheelchair his name is rise i think yep he when he gets like his sort of like false death early in the movie you know where you think he's dead but he's not he's sitting in his wheelchair in a corridor and it's got you know like the metal grates on the ceiling and on the floor sort of like an aliens and it's got the lights that are shining through him and then you get some like mess hall scenes that are very reminiscent of the first alien luke i think you pointed out some some rooms that are very fucking brown which can only be alien three yeah sometimes okay so aliens three the color palette was was brown 
and, and a little brown. bit of yellow and, and more then brown more, and then more brown and even more uh, brown and then yeah and then and then when you thought you were done with brown there's more brown <laughs> but uh in this movie it's it's a lot more colorful and we'll, we'll get to some of the the you know the the scenes that pop specifically the underwater one is, is man it's good stuff but uh yeah there's definitely scenes in this where i'm like oh i feel like i'm watching alien 3 again because it's just yeah it's just brown and yellow so where this movie goes is that they do successfully get this alien queen out of ripley's chest and they get some xenomorph aliens and they're all sort of contained uh but they break out by you know like attacking each other to make one of the scientists open you know one of the uh main scientist his name is Gediman, played by good old chucky himself uh dorif brad dorif he's he's super he's super weird with these aliens he's like uh, overtly sexual with them <laughs> and is never never concerned about anything just like really interested in this species if you will this movie again it, it likes to layer on the weird and uh brad dorif's character uh Gediman, he's one of the scientists yeah you know once the uh because they so they they bring the, what what ends up happening is they, they this uh this installation this giant ship called the Auriga I think I'm saying that right yep uh they hired these mercenaries to bring them some unsuspecting victims to be face hugged and that's where the aliens come from so when you know these uh these victims they get uh you know, chest bursted. You get Gediman, who's like experimenting with the uh, the aliens. He's making these like kissy faces at him, and just uh, it's so weird, man. all but licking the glass. It's so it's so weird. It's so nothing that we've seen before in any of the alien movies before. And uh, you know, he's trying to teach them, like you know, not to you know thump the glass with their little mouths, which they're doing because he's pissing him off. Man, it's uh, it's crazy. It's it's another. Man, it's Brad Dourif being weird, and I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, so after some character exposition scenes that, you know, you're not really, I guess I guess you could say you're not really super invested in any of these characters, really. Like, not even Ripley, because well, she doesn't feel like Ripley. Well, all the, the mercenaries end up becoming our main characters, and they're all but they're dicks. mostly Yeah, they're, and they're mostly expendable, except for a few. Of these, this crew of mercenaries, there's... You know, there's a captain and there's, you know, like the, the couple and there's like the cool guy and the they're, they're really the only one other than Vry is the guy who's in the wheelchair that's worth talking about and will always make this movie more entertaining than it should be is because it is played by Ron Perlman. Right. He plays the character of Johnner and he's one of the mercs and he's, he's you know, he's uh, got, you know, facial scars. And uh, just like most of the characters in this movie, he's a dickhead. He's just he's a dick. He likes to, uh, for example, he likes to tease our character that we, we mentioned earlier, Vries, uh, the wheelchair guy that's been paralyzed. He likes to entertain himself by throwing, you know, his knife into his leg while he's working on something because he can't feel it. Yeah, and he thinks he thinks that's really funny, uh, you know. So stuff like <laughs> stuff like that. The other characters that we need to kind of pay attention to is uh, her name is Call. Uh, she's played by Winona Ryder, uh, a really young-looking Winona Ryder. I forgot how young she was in this movie. But other than that, you you kind of don't need to know any of the other ones. I mean, there's Elgin; he's the leader, but he gets killed pretty early on. They all get killed in some way or another pretty soon. It's like mm, and right, they, and they don't really have anything to add to the movie other than just being there. 
Dr. Ren is the other character you, you kind of need to remember because uh, he's not one of the mercenaries, but he, he works on the um, Auriga and he's like the main, you know, head scientist guy. And he's, you know, surprise, surprise, he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, he ends up shooting Paul later. And that's how we find out that she's actually an android. Right. In right. disguise. Because she's sort of been weird the whole movie, like uh, faking being drunk and confronting Ripley for some reason. That you know, she makes clear later as like, what did she, what did she say to her when that weird scene that she broke into Ripley's cell? Well, it turns out that she's a generation two cyborg or, you know, robot or whatever they call themselves. And uh, so basically, what that means is they're she's a robot built by robots, and uh, she got access to all these old like, you know, military and scientific records. Uh, and so, if obviously they tried to like hide all this alien, you know, stuff from the public but uh, she figured it out and she figured out what they were trying to do on the Ariga. so her whole mission was to get in on the Ariga, you know infiltrating this uh, mercenary group she's like a new member to, to kill ripley she wants to kill ripley and kill the alien before you know this uh you know whole thing can spread again and, and become a, a you know like a world ending ordeal which is what ripley wanted to do for you know the first three movies but they end up striking up like this sort of, you know, mutual friendship. almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's almost like she becomes kind of like a, a surrogate Newt to her, yeah. which uh, she she does mention Newt, which I thought that was really cool. You know, she talks about this girl because like, Ripley, number eight, right? She's been cloned and she has been cloned with not just superpowers and acid blood, acid blood but she's also been cloned with uh, a lot of the old Ripley's memory. So she actually remembers a lot of the stuff from the first three movies. This whole movie's leading up to the end. You know, the aliens are out there wrecking havoc upon the ship and the ship is going to be destroyed, you know, because they, you know, the crew's getting killed, so on, so forth. And uh, so let's talk about some scenes that were really good. So Luke, you mentioned the underwater scenes because part of the ship gets flooded later on. At this point, we have a, a, a few select of the uh you know the mercenaries left I, one of the soldiers like out of all the soldiers only one guy fucking makes it um i could guess stuff this stuff played by yeah. raymond cruz they have to basically swim through i forget how long of a corridor to get to this next area basically so it's, it's an underwater level and uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yeah they uh they all hold their breath and they 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 dive in and it, it's it's a really fucking cool scene. I remember this being cool when I was a kid. And thankfully, it was still cool tonight. And it, it looks great. You know, these uh, you, they got these actors, uh, you know, swimming through. I think it's like a flooded kitchen or a mess hall. Yeah. And of course, uh, two aliens are following them. So they're swimming. And turns out they're really fucking excellent swimmers. They swim really, really well, you guys. I, I remember this from the trailer, too. I remember this being one of the things that they showed in the trailer that was like, oh, man, I can't fucking wait for this movie. Right. Yeah. And, and it's and it's great. It fucking pays off. It's awesome. Another one of the Mercs gets killed. Hillard, she's, she's you know, again, expendable. It doesn't matter. And man, they get oh, Ron Perlman's character, right? John or right. He blows one of them up with a with a grenade launcher. You see yeah. like the grenade launcher like flow through the water in slow motion. Yeah. Um, and then they end up getting basically it turns out it's they're getting funneled into an ambush because they, they break through this like alien membrane and they it's a chamber full of eggs and then, you know, a huge action scene. Basically the whole movie uh, almost from the one hour mark onto the end is a giant action scene, except for this like long 
a conversation that Ripley has with Call, which kind of drags the movie down. But uh, other than that, it's it's really really good, and it's entertaining. I mean, I'll, it's still entertaining tonight. You know, it's not it's not like a good movie, but it's entertaining. <laughs> it's not a smart movie, I tell you yeah. that much. <laughs> <laughs> another scene another scene that's really good is we uh see one of these guys that has been brought in like how luke mentioned that these this merc crew brings in these people from the purvis yeah purvis you know we find this guy that's been brought in at the beginning that was supposed to get you know face hugged and he did and it's played by leland orser who you've seen in a bunch of stuff you know like uh train uh not train spotting take in and the bone collector and seven he's just one of those guys that shows up and plays a bit part here and there yeah he's a great character actor when he finally does die when that chest when he gets chest bursted by that alien oh my goodness it is one of the best things in the alien franchise it's the best kill in the alien franchise i'll tell you that that much right now because i like i said i, I remember you know, i haven't seen the first three movies in a long time but uh i've seen the next two we're gonna we're gonna rewatch Prometheus and Covenant, uh, you know not you know recently but fairly recently, and uh, man none of the kills in any of these movies match up to this one. And Purvis basically Doctor Wren, you know Doctor Asshole. Uh, <laughs> there's he, always a Doctor Asshole, isn't there? There's that? always a Doctor Asshole. Uh, you know works for the company. Which hey by the way, Wayland Yutani doesn't exist anymore. Two hundred years after Aliens three, now now it's all bought out by Walmart. Like. <laughs> Was that a thing? Was that is that a I thing think, that it was added? I I don't think it was a thing that it was added. I think it was a like a joke that people like, were doing at the time. Like Josh Sweden thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, fucking, I think so. I think like, so. Everyone's like everyone works for Walmart now. Yeah, I think it was just but that's, a little that's joke. That's canon. That's aliens canon now, man. Walmart, <laughs> you fucked it up, Whedon. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> You're an asshole on many levels now. Yeah, yeah. Check out, uh, you know, our low, low prices. Also, we're cloning and uh, making aliens. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, uh, so fucking uh, Doctor Ren. You know, they're, they're, the whole last hour of the movie is the survivors trying to make a scramble back to uh, the Betty. It's the, the Betty is the ship that the uh, the mercenaries came on. Uh, you know, when they docked with the uh, when they docked with the Ariga. So they finally make it back to the Betty. Turns out Dr. Ren's already there and he he, he takes uh, Call hostage. And Purvis starts to freak out because we, we all know Purvis is, in, you know, he's got an alien inside of him. He was, he's been told this, you know, in a very sexual way by weird Ripley. Purvis just starts, hard to, starts to have like a, like a seizure and he starts running at uh, Dr. Ren. Ren shoots him a bunch of times. There's a bunch of the blood scripts in this movie, by the way, are crazy. They're just blood goes flying everywhere. And uh, basically, Purvis grabs Dr. Ren, beats his face in with his fist, and then turns him around, puts his head to about his chest level. And then we get this fucking crazy camera angle that goes into Purvis. You know, Purvis is, yeah, yeah, Purvis is screaming. The camera goes down Purvis's throat so you can see the alien in there ready to burst. And then it bursts, it bursts through Purvis's chest and through Dr. Ren's back of his head and it comes out the front of oh, Dr. Ren's face. So gross. And it is, uh, it is the most, I, I, like I told Marcus, uh, it's not just the best alien kill. It's one of the best kills in uh, horror ever, as far as I'm concerned. It is insane. The remaining crew make it back to the Betty 
as par for the course, the, the alien is on the ship with them. You know, it never stays on the ship. It's supposed to stay on. This is where we get, like, the queen weird of the weird throne. <laughs> Ripley is in, like, a, you know, like the queen's nest, right? And you see the alien queen, and she looks as good as ever because it's the original model, you know? They, uh, they actually found it because uh, they, they couldn't track it down originally. And then they went to try to use the models that were used or the uh, the molds that were used to make it, but they were unusable. Uh, yeah, but so they did, they did so track the, it down in a, the fan of a, like a fan, a fan of the alien franchise had it. So it's the, it's the alien queen from aliens. Yeah. And a fan had it and they, they, they were able to use it again. So it's the same one. So it looks fucking awesome. It does. Uh, but she gives birth like very human like, you know, through like well, well yeah, because uh, Ripley uh, she was born with alien attributes, then the queen was born with Ripley's attributes. And what comes out of this alien stomach is like this human alien hybrid. And don't get me wrong, it looks good. The animatronic, the model looks good, but it's fucking bizarre, man, and it's unsettling. It's super weird. I'm sure there's like a official name for it i'm just gonna call it the hybrid alien thing it, it just imagine like uh if you crossed an alien with a human uh 50 50 and that's kind of what you get and it man it's fucked up looking it's got these sunken eyes but you know in these wells that are its eyes it's uh human eyes and uh man it's like it's like a pink pinkish color and it's got this bloated belly and it is it's fucked up it's fucked up looking you know what i really i enjoyed it man i remember like not maybe being on board the first time but man i I think it fits because this movie is fucking weird and uh this just continues that trend just like hey what you know go big or go home let's just fucking end it on a weird ass fucking note and it's still you know when it still at the end of the day belongs you know in the realm of stuff that uh hr giger would have made i think It, it it fits so this thing, you know, it's a brand new creature, right? It goes on, you know, a bit of a, a bloodbath rampage. Like, you know, like, cause there's people in the, in the chamber, like Gediman is, you know, living the fucking time of his life, you know, wrapped up in this alien stuff and uh, says something to the alien baby thing here. And then she goes over and bites his head off and she's like, like part pun- of it. Yeah. Like just the top <laughs> part of it. And then she like punches through somebody else's chest. It's it's pretty gory. It's uh you know it's level of you know level of gore that was in Alien Three at least. I I'd say this is gorier. And I, I mean then, honestly, this is by far gorier than Aliens Three. This is this got to be the goriest fucking Alien movie of all of them. And then you get some like you know heartfelt like mother daughter scenes between weird clone Ripley and and uh, uh, Alien Baby before <laughs> the Alien bu- Baby gets sucked <laughs> out of a window. You know, sucked out the airlock, but it's like a little tiny pinhole this time. So, like, you get she gets sucked out in like you know bits of blown and flesh and blood, and yeah, it it would be it's pretty gross as it is. It you know using 1997 CGI, but but it it's still because <laughs> you know what's happening. It, it looks it it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, it's done well, man. Ripley, uh, you know, after she like. Looks like she's gonna make out with this thing for a while. She cuts her own hand on this thing's like one of its tusks, as established earlier in the movie. Her her blood is somewhat acidic, so she she you know cuts her hand and she flings it in this little like porthole thing in this uh, part of the ship, 
which causes this little like you know again like a pinhole type deal and yeah the, the hybrid gets like sucked into it and then it just gets like turned inside out as it gets like sucked through this little tiny you know port you know hole in, in the window and um yeah it's pretty fucked up looking it's 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 crazy as the uh as the Ariga barrels towards Earth, this huge giant spaceship, which I, if I had to guess, it's probably about the size of the Nostromo. Yeah. Uh, ends uh-huh. up uh, colliding with Earth. And in the extended cut that we watched today, they land on Earth, you know, in another unfinished CGI scene. And they walk into like a barren wasteland and they have their discussion about this is earth, you know, like, what do we do now type thing and the camera pans away and you can see that it's like, there's a, it's Paris. There's like a crumbled Eiffel tower. So, you know, basically like at least this part of the earth got destroyed by, you know, the ship crashing into it or in the theatrical version, I don't think they even land on the planet. I think they see it from, they see it from orbit and like call says something like, you know, it's beautiful. And what do we do now? And right. And Ripley says, uh, I don't know, I've just been, you know, I've just been created again or something like that. I'm a stranger here, too. And that's it. Uh, Yeah. And so I guess, you know, it it doesn't really matter either way because it doesn't change the story. But if you had your choice, just watch the theatrical version. That's what the director wants you to watch. anyway. Yes. And I agree with them. That's pretty much where the alien part of the alien franchise ends because if you talk to ridley scott prometheus is not a prequel but you know fuck him we'll get into that next time (laughs) but yeah what the fuck (laughs) but um yeah that i mean there's your four movies i mean we'll see where the tv show goes there is a tv show going to be coming out soon but give me your final thoughts on alien resurrection i am happy to report that i still like this movie it is (laughs) it's so you know it's it's kind of funny, man. If you if you think about the Alien movies up to this point, right? So you had Ridley Scott directing the first one in the seventies. You had uh, Cameron directing the you know the the eighties version. You had uh, David Fincher directing the you know the nineties version, the early nineties version. And now you have you know you have, you have you have this guy directing the, this you know this fourth one, and it's it's very four it's four very different directors. Yeah, with, agreed four very different views and styles man it's kind of what's fucking cool about the alien series man like uh you know you might not like all of it but man there's got to be something in there that you're gonna like you know listen it's it's not a smart movie you guys the script by by whedon isn't great although like there's there's you know the interviews with him he says he's he was pissed off because even though that everything that he wrote ended up on screen he said that the way that the director told his cast to say the lines was wrong so basically what he's saying is like i wrote all that stuff but the way they said it was wrong which seems weird to me like well dude if you're gonna write good 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 dialogue is good dialogue but whatever it's uh you know it's weird it's it's really fucking weird the tone is all over the place it goes from like comedy to hardcore hardcore horror uh, and gore but you know what it's a weird mix that i enjoyed i enjoyed more than i didn't enjoy so i'm going to recommend that i liked it i'm going to pretty much at the same spot i was when i originally saw it i needed this one back in the day after alien 3 because i really didn't like it back then and <laughs> i really didn't like alien 3 much in our rewatch most recently so it sort of served the same purpose that it did for me you know 15 16 years ago wherever it came out it's goofy it's weird but it's entertaining the whole way through 
Ron Perlman is a blast. The gore is good and the creature models are still really, really good. You know, there's some shitty CGI in there, here and there, but it's nothing that like takes over the movie. So yeah, uh, I still enjoy Alien Resurrection and uh, I'd watch it again. During our series of episodes that we did for our Squid Game coverage, we introduced a segment called Wasting Time, where we talked about what we were distracting ourselves with at that time. During one of my turns, I talked about uh, a long-since-completed Brian K. Vaughn comic series called Why the Last Man and how awesome it was. Uh, Today, I'm going to talk about another Brian K. Vaughn pen comic that's still ongoing called Saga. Marcus, I I don't remember if I introduced you to Saga or if you did introduce it to me i i can't remember. no you did to me you gave me the first like sort of volume uh of okay. issues for a birthday present once okay I, I, I could remember i just remember just like just really really liking it and man it, <laughs> saga is weird you guys it, it's hard to explain but it, it goes something like this so saga is basically about characters elena and marco a madly in love couple of whom each comes from opposing factions in a galactic war. Uh, Elena is from Landfall, a technologically superior planet whose inhabitants also sport a pair of wings, while Marco belongs to Wreath, which is Landfall's moon, and whose inhabitants wield magic, as well as a pair of horns on their heads. Basically, they fall in love on the battlefield, Elena gets pregnant, and the two have to go on an intergalactic road trip in order to flee from authorities belonging to both sides of the conflict, since this racial betrayal cannot get out and lower the morale of you know the troops at home. Uh, Landfall sends Prince Robot the Fourth, a member of the royal family, who's a <laughs> cybernetic being. With a TV with a, for a head. <laughs> yep, with an old-fashioned TV for a head. <laughs> and they, the the uh, the um, the uh, the different like the hierarchy in their society is like shown by quality of TV. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> remember so if laughing, you're... remember laughing out loud when you saw the king, and it was like a two-page like giant HD TV screen for his head. They spit right. my drink out. Right. While while Prince Robot the Fourth has like a you know you know CRT like old fashioned like you know like <laughs> yeah. you know fat TV on his head. Yeah. And he can also turn his arm into anything, including like guns, like, like a big cannon. Wreath, on the other hand, sends the Will, a ruthless bounty hunter who has a lion-sized hairless feline with him called Lion Cat that has the ability to tell when someone is lying. If you think that sounds pretty weird, then you have to believe me when I say that I haven't even begun to scratch the surface here. Creatures straight out of Lovecraft, epic Lord of the Rings and Terminator 2 battles, booze, drugs, lots of sex, a short little bipedal seal man who wears yellow overalls called Gus, who is the cutest damn thing ever made. They all permeate the books with charm, while the story is never less than compelling. The series has picked up numerous awards since the first issue was published back in 2012, which I can't believe it's been 10 years. And after taking a couple of years hiatus right after the 
uh, development in the story that left fans, including yours truly, quite literally reeling. Uh, it's oh, finally yeah. back this year, and I can't wait to see where he goes next. I, I love this series so much. Uh, I've read through the the first set, the first uh, nine volumes twice now. There's just so much to the story. There's so much heart and so much like caring, like where you wouldn't think there would be. And as the as it actually tells you on the first page in the first issue, it's like your main characters who you're with for nine volumes and going forward are really not the main characters it's because it's really told through the point of view of their daughter who is a baby you know at the time right hazel hazel is the girl that is born you know once you know elena uh you know gets pregnant and uh she's the one that's telling the story uh yeah she tells you like things are not going to turn out well and uh, and the whole time you're, but it, but it's so funny it's so well written the characters yeah, are so, so memorable it's very positive you know it is. it's 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 body positive and it's racially positive. Big time. It's very inclusive of the LGBTQ community. Big time. It's just great. There's, you know, there's it's a truly diverse and inclusive fantasy sci-fi story that everyone would enjoy. And none of that would have worked if the characters weren't fantastic. Right. But they're fantastic. Every single character is fucking fantastic. They're three-dimensional beings that you care about and when they die and believe you me you're gonna feel when some of your favorites go down it is uh it's unforgettable i can't recommend this enough you know brian vaughn as far as i can tell i can't do no wrong at this point i've only read why the last man in this one and uh man it is uh this is this is as about as and good as it gets and it's, and it's illustrated by fiona staple who is yeah, also that's fantastic. Right. That's right. I forgot to mention Fiona. Fiona, oh my God, her art is incredible. It's incredible. You can, uh, there are several, several panels in the comics where you can just, uh, I mean, you could just hang that on the wall. It's so good. The Review to Death podcast is written and produced by the both of us. We release new episodes on Mondays and Fridays. Thank you to Groove Witness for the use of their music. You can find them at GrooveWitness.us. Check out our written reviews at the link in the description and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Review to Death. Thank you for listening. And Luke, tell us what's coming up next. We're coming up next. We're going to watch prequel, maybe, sort of. <laughs> it's the prequel. Scott. It's the, the prequel. Yeah, you know, if you're Ridley Scott, who the fuck knows to the Elliot franchise called Prometheus. That's pretty much all I got. Later, Gators. This is that how you drink whiskey, dude? You just fucking bite lemons? <laughs> I, I melt it from a cube, and then I don't touch it. I just eat a lemon. Yeah, you eat a lemon in front of your whiskey, right? You look at it. Right. Intensely. <laughs> yeah. You just, you just stare at that fucking whiskey, and you're like, this is going to happen to you. <laughs>